The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Wagner and Winnick on the Law. For the next hour, Monterey College of Law's Dean Mitchell Winnick and law professor Stephen Wagner will discuss current legal events and public policy issues that are affecting our daily lives. They will not provide individual legal advice. If you have a specific legal problem, you're encouraged to contact a lawyer for legal assistance. If you do not have a lawyer, contact the local bar association or lawyer referral service in your community for recommendations. And now, here's Wagner and Winnick on the law. Greetings and welcome to another edition of Wagner and Winnick on the Law. I am San Luis Obispo College of Law professor and trial attorney Stephen Wagner. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Dean and President of Monterey College of Law, San Luis Obispo College of Law, and Kern County College of Law, Mitchell Winnick. Mitch, good day to you. Good day, Stephen. And it's a great day to be on this beautiful West Coast where we produce our show and not uh, the Gulf Coast where... As you know, and some have heard me talk about, friends and family are trying to deal with the storm of the century, Harvey. That's right, Mitch. And uh, we, our listeners know that you are a Texas native. So uh, you are obviously uh, acutely aware of the areas that are impacted. And our thoughts and prayers obviously go out to all those who are impacted. And uh, we're going to talk about that uh, topic, that issue today, and we're going to, going to do it uh, with the backdrop being uh, kind of a consumer alert, right, Mitch? That's exactly right, Stephen. I, I have to tell you that it's, to some extent, it's sad that we have to do a show about warning people of scams and charlatans and snake oil salesmen who are going to prey on the the victims of a natural disaster. But that's what we're going to have to do today. I think it's an important thing we talk about. It is, Mitch. And, you know, history tells us that, unfortunately, that is a widespread problem because with every calamity, um, natural disaster, one of the unfortunate events and insidious events that follow are, are scams and schemes that are designed to take advantage of people in an extremely vulnerable position. So let me just share with our listeners a couple of just what are, can only be stunning, stunning statistics. After Hurricane Katrina, over 4,600, that's 4,600 websites popped up trying to deal with, uh, allegedly dealing with disaster relief and the vast majority of those were complete fraud and scams. 4,000 of them, Stephen. Can you even believe that? Yeah, I mean, that's stunning. And, you know, Mitch, I think the, the World Wide Web has obviously 
broaden the canvas or opportunity for schemers and scammers because it's another means of reaching people and it's reaching people at times of uh, desperation. So, and I'm just shocked. And so, as and we talked about, it, I mean, my my friends and family live there on the Gulf Coast. I'm from the small town of Dickinson that many people saw on the national news, and they saw it on the national news because the CBS news team that was down there covering the hurricane got to Dickinson and got stuck for several hours in the middle of the storm. They had nowhere else to to talk about, so they sat there on the overpass. Um, <clears throat> broadcasting from Dickinson, Texas. And you know, I grew up there. My mom was mayor for two terms many years ago. And it it's literally the case that the entire town is somewhere between four and ten feet underwater. So, so you know, we look at this and say, this is not just news. I mean, I, I grew up there, went through several hurricanes. But to then have the victims of the natural disaster have to watch out about being victims of human disaster, which is individuals who are going to prey on them, is just outrageous. But but I want to talk about it today because here's what is shocking to me. The minute that the National Weather Service puts out each year their name of the, the names, the roster of storm names that they're going to use that year, People, fraudsters, proceed to identify and register names on the websites to track those names. So Harvey.org, StormHarvey.org, things like that, before they even happen, get registered. Yeah, you know, Mitch, we've talked about the issue of domain names Um of course, the backdrop was all legal pursuit of domain names. We did that very recently. We were talking about intellectual property and the rights and uh, having to do with uh, securing domain names. And this, we're now talking about an underworld pursuit here where we've got efforts to get domain names, of use, as you said, before the storm has actually hit uh, which really, really highlights the need to be aware and proactive. And I think that's where we're going to go with our discussion today in terms of being alert and aware of the potential scams that are out there. That's exactly right. And Stephen, you mentioned it. I mean, there are GoFundMe pages. I mean, there's so many well-meaning individuals that get, that, that get lost in this almost overwhelming effort by individuals who are you know, at risk of being fraudulent about this. But let me, right off the top of, of the show here, let's, let's talk about the National Center for Disaster Fraud Hotline. I'm going to give two numbers out right here for those who are listening. The National Center for Disaster Fraud Hotline, 866-720-5721. That's 866 866- Seven two zero five seven two one, and the Texas Attorney General's hotline for fraud, 800-621-0508. And then one of those that we, as you're exactly right, we've talked about before, believe it or not, the FBI has an Internet Crime Complaint Center. 
that you can also go online and register a complaint. So we're not we're not helpless against these. And if you hear of a fraud, if you hear of someone trying to take advantage of one of these victims, you should call one of these numbers or go onto their website. That's a good alert, Mitch. So let's just talk about what what's going to go on in the next few weeks. And, and there's really two sides of this. So, so the alert is be careful about being subject to the fraud. So who should you work with? And, and the reality is you should deal with agencies and nonprofits that you know. So I'm not going to, you know, there's no reason to promote one versus the other. There are many of them that are absolutely legitimate and do just incredible work. You know, organizations like Red Cross. Red Cross. There you go. So, and they're local, there's regional, there's state. I mean, the one of the things that, that those who work in disasters will tell you is, you know, everybody wants to send, you know, water, clothes, and things like that. The, the fact of the matter is the best thing you could do to help in one of these disasters is send money to a legitimate group who can then organize that money to the things that are needed, right place, right time, right things. So they, it looks like they need clothes and shoes and T-shirts and all of that. They do. Rather than sending them a carton of that, send money to a legitimate organization who can organize it at the right time in the right place. Okay, so that's, that's number one. The other thing I want to talk about today is, is things like insurance. And it's shocking, but unfortunately, what's going to come out is that there's less than 20% of the homeowners in the regions affected by Hurricane Harvey will probably end up having the kind of insurance they need to actually be covered. Yeah, and that's typically going to be flood insurance or some kind of a natural disaster rider that's included in their insurance policy. That's exactly right. So homeowners insurance that many of us have, and even if you're a renter, you should have renter's insurance. And these things always seem like an extraneous expense right up until the point that you need them. Uh, but homeowners insurance, renter's insurance, they will cover certain things. They will cover uh, you know, the wind damage, the hurricane wind damage. What they don't cover is just what you said, Stephen, flood and rising water. Those are unique and different insurance policies that individuals who live in flood-prone areas have to choose to take. And what, unfortunately, we're going to find out in the coming weeks is that you know, fewer than 20% of the people in these regions choose to take out that kind of specific insurance that will cover rising water and flood. You know, Mitch, it, it and maybe you can give us a, a, a sense of, you know, frequency of these kind of events. Uh, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a homeowner when you're facing that decision as to whether or not to get flood insurance uh, or rising water type uh, coverage. And I can I can see how that'd be a, a tough decision because of uh, the odds of an event like this happening. Yet, when you think about it historically, 
there probably is a notice and awareness of risk factor lurking here, don't you think? Well, there is, and it's it's like lots of insurance. You 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 know you don't think you need it. You think you're not going to be the one that 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 needs it. Um, the, the, one of the greatest risks, and I, you know, I grew up in the on the Gulf Coast. We were hit by a number of hurricanes during the time I lived there, and you know, the long term residents are usually not the ones who who fail to have coverage. They get it. They understand it. They've been there. They've been there before. Uh, frequently, it's those who've moved in more recently. You know, Houston's the fourth largest city in the United States. There's a lot of individuals who've moved into Houston from places where they were completely unaware of the risk. It just didn't enter their mind. And they, they didn't think it was at risk. So here's the other part. It's for most folks, this type of insurance is 300 to $500 a year. You know, we're not talking about $3,000, $5,000, $10,000. It's a few hundred dollars, and it allows you to have that extra coverage. So, so you're right, Stephen. It's, it's an awareness of the risk, but then it's you, know, you got to take advantage of the opportunity to have the legal coverage that the insurance provides. Yeah, and I think, you know, Mitch, one thing that was uh, an eye-opener for me was the proximity issue. Um, I've actually never been to Houston or the Gulf Coast, uh, Galveston or Corpus Christi, but uh, Houston's very, very close uh, in terms of its location to to the actual, uh, the Gulf Coast, right? Oh, it is. Well, it's it's about 60 miles from the the coast. The, The challenge of the areas around the Gulf Coast, and we saw it in Katrina. It's the same exact thing goes on in Florida. Uh, these are large areas that are essentially at, at sea level. So um, the house I grew up in was at seven feet above sea level, seven feet. Well, you're talking about a storm surge in this most recent uh, hurricane that's 10 to 15 feet. So you can just do the math if if your normal state of affairs is you're seven feet above sea level and you've got a flood and storm surge that's coming in at, at twice that, things don't go so well, which is, which is exactly what's now happened with people with anywhere from four to ten feet of water in their house. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's an alert that if you live in these type of flood-prone areas, the, the legal issue that we're talking about is insurance. And, and after we come back from the break, we'll talk a little about how you file for these type of insurance claims, what kind of things are covered. And, and then again, I, w- I want to talk, we'll wrap up about talking about avoiding being scammed. Yeah, you know, Mitch, I think the insurance, your reference to insurance is uh, actually uh, a topic we can take on within the discussion of scams, because unfortunately, that is one of the scams that are out there. You know, the alleged offering uh, of coverage that turns out to be fake or false. So uh, unfortunately, that's just another facet of, of one of the potential schemes that are out there. Well, that's exactly right. And, and then there are yeah, unfortunately, there will be individuals who will have to seek legal remedy to get the coverage they need to get the return and the, the dollars they need to rebuild and to take care of their, not just homes, but businesses as well. 
Yeah, that's right. You're listening to Wagner and Winnick on the Law over Voice America Radio. We're going out on a short break. We're talking about Hurricane Harvey and consumer alerts and the need to be aware of potential scams. We'll be right back after this short break. Don't go away. Monterey College of Law is excited to announce that we are opening our third branch law school in Bakersfield. We are Kern County College of Law, and we are an accredited branch of Monterey College of Law. Established 44 years ago, we are now accepting applications for students who will begin in summer of 2017. As with our other branches in Monterey and San Luis Obispo, Kern County College of Law offers convenient evening classes Mondays through Thursdays. At Kern County College of Law, we have a tuition rate guarantee program that freezes your tuition rate when you begin and protects you from annual tuition increases. At Kern County College of Law, our faculty is composed of highly esteemed local lawyers and judges. Dream of becoming a lawyer? Do something about it. Call me, Wendy Law Revere, Dean of Admissions of Kern County College of Law, 831-582-4000, extension 1012. For more information, this is Mitch Winnick, co-host of Wagner & Winnick on the Law. We are pleased to welcome Monterey Peninsula Surgery Centers and their related Minimus Institute as sponsors of our program. Location shouldn't keep you from the quality surgery you need. MPSC's Destination Surgical Institute features world-class surgeons, concierge assistants, and transparent bundled fees. For more information, go to www.montereysurgerycenter.com. Thank Monterey Peninsula Surgery Centers for state-of-the-art outpatient surgery. Our patients get better faster and get back to doing what they love. Out-of-towners and self-insured employers can now benefit from our quality care through our concierge division, Minimus Institute. Call 831-333-4153 or visit minimusinstitute.com to learn about how we're reducing the cost of surgery by 40 to 60% while delivering state-of-the-art care. Many people believe that law firms are pretty much the same. At Shepherd Mullen, we don't. Our law firm believes that what separates us from the pack is not what we do, but how we do it. Aggressive, not conservative. Team players, not one-man bands. Problem solvers, not just legal practitioners. Our clients clearly understand and value this difference. Shepherd Mullen is a full-service Global 100 law firm with more than 750 lawyers. We handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. From our 15 offices in the U.S., Europe, and Asia, we offer global solutions and seamless representation to our clients around the world. I am Michael Cohen, a partner in the Antitrust and International Competition Group at Shepard Mullen. I invite you to find out more about our law firm at shepherdmullen.com. That's S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D. M-U-L-L-I-N dot com. Welcome back to Wagner and Winnick on the Law. We are talking about Hurricane Harvey and specifically the need to be aware of consumer scams and schemes. And Mitch, before we went out on the break, we were obviously talking about the devastation. And uh, while we were on the break, we were talking about this being the largest rainfall event ever uh, in the U.S., 
It's certainly on the mainland U.S. The only thing that succeeded Hurricane Harvey, you have to go to Hawaii to, to get larger rainfalls. It's over 50 inches of rain that happened in a matter of days. And as we talked about, it's low, low-lying areas. Uh, it, in this case, it was not a storm that was devastated by wind and the, in essence, storm surge as much as just literally there was no place for the water to go. So, Stephen, you, you talked about the fact that, that what we want to alert folks to is, is two things. One, the unfortunate reality that there are fraudsters and scam artists that will now roll right in. And, and, and let's talk about the first, the front end is just what you talked about at the top of the show. Beware of emails and websites and unsolicited uh, approaches you have, whether it's telephone calls or emails or texts or whatever, uh, from groups that purport to be raising money for victims. So do not fall victim to that and go with well-established, known uh, charities. You can check them out. You can go onto their web pages. You can, you don't it, you, it, like everything. You shouldn't respond to unsolicited solicitations for these kinds of things. So that's, and, Mitch. That's what I wanted what, to add there was something that I think is innately well to me. It's innately pretty basic, and that is, uh, it's a trust but verify type of mantra that everybody should have. And, and I think that it's probably safe to say that relief efforts that are typically uh, underway or that follow calamities and natural disasters are spearheaded by groups that people know. Now, we referenced Red Cross, and we don't have to pull the window down and talk about all the other entities, but I think it's pretty well known to most people what uh, nonprofit agencies are typically out there, you know, that, that undertake relief efforts. So, Use common sense is kind of what I wanted to get out there. Uh, you're exactly right. What's changed is what you talked about is that all of a sudden you, you have websites and GoFundMes and other uh, what appear to be legitimate organizations that then you know, solicit funds. After Katrina, uh, the FBI uh, searched out and actually found individuals who scammed Anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars of in of unsuspecting, well-meaning individuals by just having false and fake and fraudulent emails, so and websites. So, so that's part one. So now let's go to part two. We talked about insurance. So for those who have the good fortune to have insurance, uh, they could be covered for from for the government flood insurance programs. The uh, the Coverage could be up to $250,000, $300,000. Uh, for those where FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management whatever. Administration, I think. Administration, there you go. I knew you'd jump in there and help me. Uh, you, know, the, you can get up to $30,000, $40,000 of emergency help. So that's that's helpful for temporary lodging. But now we're going to have months and maybe even years of rebuilding. So so you talked about the idea of of you know what do you do insurance fraud. So 
the next step is that individuals need to be careful about hiring contractors. And the, the rebuilding part is you have to be just as careful as in the front end of providing aid. And, and your guidance is exactly right, Stephen. You know, common sense. Go with vendors you know, people from the area, people who have references. You, know, you do not want to pay money up front for a contractor. You want to have periodic payments based on work that's actually done. You want to have references. I mean, all of these things that, that seem to make perfectly good sense in the calm light of day. But when you're in crisis, you tend to jump to folks who think they can help you or appear to be able to help you. But they should be doing the things you suggested, Stephen. Common sense on contracting. They should have actual contracts that could be enforceable. You know, these are the things that as lawyers we, we know will protect people as they try to rebuild. Yeah, no, I think that's very good sage advice, Mitch, and I think you referenced a good point, and that is that because of the scenario and the desperation and vulnerability factor, it's often hard to employ or to use those kind of uh, checklist approaches, but it needs to be done without question. Um, one thing, Mitch, that I'd, I'd weave in is that uh, although we're going to be talking about schemes and fraud and expand upon that, um, with the goal being to really just get the notice and, and alert out there, it's important to note that law enforcement is well aware of this. So there are definitely efforts. You had referenced the FBI, certainly local law enforcement, because it starts really from you know boots on the ground, local presence. They're certainly aware of it also, and it's important to note that. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Let me let me just tout it again. The Texas Attorney General's hotline. 1-800-621-0508, 800-621-0508, that is the local, in this case the state, protection for tips on fraudulent activities related to these types of disasters. And, and so Stephen, you know, the, the, let's, let's step back a bit and you've walked us down these types of evidentiary uh, standards that, in this case, whether it's fraud or a contractual issue, people need what? They need documentation, right? They need documentation of the damage. They need documentation of efforts people make to do the work. They need contracts. I mean, ultimately, the protection is the courts, right? Absolutely. So you know that's it's as you, as you've said to us, you know what these unfortunately aren't the type of issues that you should deal with on a handshake. And so if if I came to you as a lawyer and said, you know, wait a minute, I you know, I'm having my house rebuilt, and this is what I agreed, I thought had been agreed as far as the scope of work, and now I'm unhappy with it, they're going to need documents, right? I mean, they, when they walk into your office as a private lawyer, Stephen, they're going to need information. It's not going to be, you, know, you don't really like taking a he said, she said into court, do you? 
No, that's that's true. So the message there is uh, document everything and be very, very vigilant about uh, marshalling the paperwork because if there is some kind of a dispute that arises in this scenario, let's say hypothetically for uh, extensive repairs to a home, let's say a residence, uh, ultimately the homeowner is going to need to be able to demonstrate uh, with certainty uh, what happened or what what didn't happen, and it all all roads lead back to documentation. You're right, Mitch. Absolutely. So, and, and let's just talk about the kind of uh, things you need. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in these kind of dis- natural disasters, you may have lost everything, but that doesn't mean you can't get duplicates of things such as your insurance policy. So, you should contact your insurance agent. Sometimes they're as affected as, as you are, and they've had to put in national hotlines to help, and all of the legitimate insurance agencies have done that as well. So you can get documentation as far as your coverage. Uh, the opportunity to recover things like that, again, frequently comes down to the piece of paper that you've signed. So the insurance policy will have written terms that identify what's covered, what your limits are, but when you're allowed to get it, whether it comes in a, a lump sum or term payments as you've, as you've uh, encumbered the costs. So, so the paperwork becomes a critical first step. And then, as we just said, it continues to be part of it. So the, the rebuilding effort needs to be documented with contractual paperwork and if you, you don't need and, and you'll see one of the things we we frequently do on the show is talk about not having to go hire a lawyer to do things it's it's common sense self-help right that you know you you as a as an individual if you document what you need you've got the insurance coverage you've got contracts for the repair You've got the opportunity to insist on the things you've contracted for. Uh, you know, the hope is that you don't have to go through a lawyer or the courts to get these things to work out. Yep, I agree. Uh, good uh, housekeeping, good quality control, and uh, efforts to marshal all the paperwork is always good advice, Mitch, without question. You know, Mitch, there, there's, we're going to get into some of the crimes that can occur here. I, I know that's on our list, too, because... Unfortunately, there's criminal acts that arise out of natural disasters and calamities like this. I mean, we can go back to, you know, one of the most insidious crimes, I think, out there. And and loosely, it's known as looting, you know, taking advantage of a business uh, that is in in distress is one of the issues that we can talk about. Yeah, uh, that's right. So, you know, we uh, as lawyers, we kind of parse these issues out and and I'd say you've you've identified there's two sides of of this story one is the criminal side and the the, the FBI the attorney general the local police are there to to help not only prevent but to follow up when things like this happen and it's anywhere from looting and and these are and you know, fraud is not only a civil case, it's a criminal case as well, right? Yeah. So though, so you shouldn't hesitate to seek out the help of, of your local authorities on things like that. 
the same at the same point we've talked about that when a criminal case is brought the recovery is not money for the individual right so you're put in jail or found in violation of a crime and fined but that that money doesn't really go to the victim well it it can Mitch in the form of restitution Mm-hmm. But but often you're dealing with the scenario of blood from a turnip, right? You know, so it it's difficult. I mean, there may be a court-imposed order for restitution if somebody does in fact suffer a conviction connected to a criminal act. A restitution order would be issued, usually through a probation department. But uh, getting the money is another story. Executing on it is another story, of course. And then on the, 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 the other half of it is the civil side. And that's where we get back to the issue of you may have to make claims against an insurance company. You could have to make claims against contractors, against other services. And, and that's where the documentation is going to be necessary in, other, in, in order to bring a case to a private attorney. Yeah, and we can expand on that issue too much. I know we're coming up on a break, but the insurance component is an interesting one because all roads lead back to the policy. And often in cases where a uh, policy holder, a homeowner, for instance, uh, sues an insurance company, there's an issue that arises that immediately calls attention to the actual terms of the policy and the duty to defend the policy and what's typically known as bad faith, which is a a term used to describe an insurance company, uh, an insurance company's potential failure to follow the rules as set out by the policy. So that's a pretty vibrant area of litigation very often. And in natural disaster scenarios, it's, uh, it's highlighted, unfortunately. Well, very, very good. Yeah, let's talk about that after the break. Because So you're listening to Wagner and Winnick on the Law over Voice America Radio. We'll be right back after this brief word from our sponsors. Don't go away. you've been considering a new career, now is the perfect time to look into the field of law. Whether you're fresh out of school or just thinking about change, the San Luis Obispo College of Law is now accepting applications for 2017 admission. The San Luis Obispo College of Law is an accredited branch of the Monterey College of Law School. You can get a law degree from an accredited law school right here in San Luis Obispo. San Luis Obispo College of Law's highly esteemed faculty is comprised of local judges and lawyers. San Luis Obispo College of Law classes are held conveniently in the evening. The San Luis Obispo College of Law's campus is located at 4119 Broad Street at Tank Farm in Slow. Make today the first step in changing your life. Attend an informational session and get answers to your questions. Call Dean of Admissions Wendy LaRiviere at 805-439-4096. Visit slowlaw.org for more information. That's slowlaw.org. Did you ever wonder, what is the basis of international law? Where would I even go to look up international laws? This is law professor Michael Cohen with a reminder that there are times that you can take the law into your own hands. 
The United Nations Treaty Collection is an online database that provides information on more than 560 treaties and international legal documents deposited with the United Nations. The database also indicates which countries have signed, ratified, or lodged objections to the treaties. These legal agreements are the basis of international law. They cover topics such as human rights, disarmament, commodities, refugees, the environment, and the law of the sea. Lately, we have heard political candidates making lots of statements about enforcing international law. But if you want to be better informed about the actual laws in place, go to treaties.un.org. That is treaties.un.org. The U.S. Constitution has recently created national headlines in the debate about filling the vacancy created by the sudden death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. The president and certain members of Congress are at odds about what the Constitution requires when there's a vacancy on the Supreme Court. Who is right? And how can everyday citizens be informed enough to know the answer? This is Mitchell Winnick, co-host of Wagner and Winnick on the Law, with a reminder that there are times that you can take the law into your own hands. ConstitutionCenter.org is a website published by the National Constitution Center. The center was established by Congress to provide information about the United States Constitution on a nonpartisan basis. If you want information about the Constitution's history and what it means today, go to ConstitutionCenter.org and form your own opinion about the law. Welcome back to Wagner. All you're listening to us over Voice America Radio. And we are talking about Hurricane Harvey and specifically consumer alerts and scams that unfortunately happen. So, Stephen, we talked about before the break the, the issues related to the different type of insurance coverage. And, and that's, that's it's, I know it sounds like a really boring topic that most times individuals aren't going to want to think about. But this is our shout-out to everybody. And, and, and as we were on the break, you talked about out here in California, there's a similar corollary, which is earthquake insurance. So we've been talking about flood insurance on the Gulf Coast, but out here in California, we have earthquake insurance as well, don't we? Yeah, we do. That's right. And I think what we're going to talk about is fine print, right? Attention to detail, what is and what is not covered. That's exactly right. And so the this is a again a reminder, a reminder that think about the types of insurance coverage you need to protect your family and your business. So it's not just individuals. We have a lot of small business owners. We're on the Voice America Business Channel. That's one of our, our largest listener base, our small business owners, entrepreneurs. And it is very unfortunate that in the the list of things of spreading limited dollars to cover your business, you say, okay, well, I'll take a risk. And so what is insurance all about? Insurance is about spreading the risk across a large pool with hopefully the idea that the vast majority of them never have an injury so that when 
things like this happen, disasters happen, the dollars can be used by the insurance companies to reimburse those who need it, right? But yeah. it's just it's just as true on kind of the day-to-day business coverage, a business interruption insurance. It's, you know, whoever knew there was such a thing? And yet it is. And, and this is a case where you can be a long way from earthquakes and floods, but if you're running a business and something happens, let's say pipes break in the ceiling of your rented commercial property and it floods your business and you're closed for several weeks while you have to get sheetrock redone and and carpeting. So let's say you have insurance to cover the repair. But what happens to the lost revenue? So so these are things where not only just individuals, but as business people, we need to think about where can you get coverage. And there is things such as business interruption insurance, which will reimburse you up to, on a daily amount, the loss of your business not being open for those days. We actually have it for the law school. I know you might be, you know, people might be surprised. Why would you have that? Well, if a natural disaster happened and physically closed the building at the law school, we not only have to physically repair the school, we most likely have to relocate and then have the cost of relocating while the repair is happening. And there might even be a gap of time when we can't operate at all between those two. And that's where you have a policy such as business interruption insurance. Yeah, no, that's a good, good subtle point you're making, Mitch. And, and that's obviously an important one for business owners. And as you referenced, small business owners, you know, we focused initially on uh, residences and homeowners, but uh, the business disruption and the impact to com- commercial enterprises is just as significant. And uh, I think what you're referencing there is really contract law, because uh, although you you know you referenced it as potentially boring, uh, I say you got to get over that and still recognize <laughs> <laughs> recognize the significance, right? I mean, it's a big deal. Um, you know, securing coverage, having coverage, and knowing what is covered. You know, on on the break, we were chatting about uh, earthquake insurance, and I introduced it as an analogy. Uh, if you had flood insurance, for instance, and and I think you probably or your family may have had flood insurance, right? We did, and there's it's a national flood insurance program uh, because it's very difficult for the private insurers to go into these type of areas and and provide adequate coverage. So there's actually a a national flood insurance program that provides in in floodplain areas where you can actually get insurance. Otherwise, the, the, the private companies aren't there for it. So it's a government program. Yeah, and you know, Mitch, also, I think another thing that you shared while we were on the break was the idea of a hurricane and the impact from a hurricane. And you had referenced uh, a scenario where the high winds causes structural damage or the complete destruction of homes. Uh, That's a direct nexus between the calamity, the natural disaster, and the resulting harm. But uh, you had referenced the issue of residual impact. So, for instance, if rising waters also result from the hurricane there may be a dispute over coverage, right? Well, that's exactly right. So here, here, 
here's a issue that is going to have to be dealt with, and we've had it. We had it here in the past year in California as well. So you have rain fills up a reservoir. The determination is that to to protect the integrity of the reservoir, they release water. And now that water is released downstream, rises up, and floods homes. So the, so the question is, what was the origin of that damage? And, and you, you know, we laugh a little and say, well, contract law seems to be boring. Not on cases like that. No, you just, <laughs> you just introduced human error, potentially. Yes, and public policy. So you're going to protect one thing at the damage of another, and they know good and well. That if you're going to release X thousands of gallons of water down the stream, they can project exactly what it's going to flood. Fortunately, they give alerts. They tell you, get out. You know, this is going to happen. But now you have a flood that's actually being caused initially by the rain, but subsequently by what you've talked about, human intervention of releasing additional water downstream. And how are you going to resolve that? You're going to look at the contracts, right? Yeah. And and the issue and, you know, one of the major points of contention is the coverage issue. You know, what is or what is not covered. And as I indicated, everything leads to a very detailed review of the terms of the contract and how they're interpreted. And quite frankly, Mitch, even though insurance policies have been out there for eons, there is still vibrant or there are still vibrant disputes over the interpretation of certain language that's used in policies. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, we're, we're in the case of Harvey, you're talking about an area where a little over 6 million people live. And so you've got 6 million opportunities for there to be different insurance contracts. There can be reconstruction contracts. And just think of the, the potential for you know, commercial disputes on all of this. And again, we're not talking about you have to get a lawyer for each of these things, but but our kind of our shout out on this is it is going to end up being the fine print of these agreements that will ultimately determine the the payout on on these kind of issues. Yeah. And you know, Mitch, there's one other thing I wanted to get out. And, and this relates to elder abuse, because unfortunately, um, one of the greatest or largest pools of victims to a lot of scams out there are elders. And there are laws on the books in all states. I, I know that uh, Texas has statutes and uh, laws that protect elders, and there's various forms of elder abuse you know, ranging from physical to financial. So uh, what I would do is urge our listeners to uh, look carefully at some of the relief groups. I mean, Red Cross is a good one. Uh, There are groups that actually advocate for elders and get the word out uh, to elders about uh, alerts and scams. Well, that's, uh, Stephen, that's a great that's a great reminder. Most communities have 
uh, legal services for seniors type organization. Uh, I know that both in San Luis Obispo, where, where you are, up in Monterey County and, and Santa Cruz, there are organizations that specifically do that. They are not uh, income qualified services. They, they deal, they're based on age and they are there to specifically help seniors go through legal issues, evaluate your contracts, evaluate your insurance coverage, uh, respond to, to fraud, uh, unfortunately sometimes to respond to family members who take advantage of them. And in, in, area, in instances like these types of disasters, you're, I'm glad you called that out because uh, those are folks who are particularly vulnerable to these types of things, and there is legal assistance for them in these communities. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like an extra layer of vulnerability. You've got the natural disaster, and then you've got the uh, the other um, characteristic of really just being in a position where you're at a certain age, and you may be infirm or not not have the ability to to cope with issues. So that's an important issue. So let's kind of talk about, let's kind of roll back and, and go back briefly over the types of things that we want people to be, cons- to be aware of. So if you're in the immediate area that's affected by a natural disaster, it, obviously physical safety is the first step of getting yourself physically somewhere where you're safe and you and your family and your pets and all that are taken care of. But, but when you're a- after you've gone through that first step, then the, the practical reality has to hit in. And issues like your insurance coverage, your insurance policies now rise to a prominent issue to f- determining what your coverage is, determining what your rights are making sure that you get the types of recovery that you're entitled to, taking advantage of government programs that are there for you. You've paid your taxes, you're entitled to that, that, that type of, of safety net. Then the commercial side comes in. You have to do rebuilding. You need contractors. You need to deal with reputable individuals. You need contracts and documents that will protect you to make sure you get what you're paying for. You should never be paying up front for services like this. You should deal with local reputable uh, companies that have references, things of that nature. And then, as Stephen, you, you said, that if, if things go sideways, you're best prepared then to be able to seek out legal help if you need it. Yeah, absolutely, Mitch. And I, I'll just leave uh, listeners with this thought. And a re- if a repair person comes to you and solicits you for work, take a picture, get a thumbprint. That's a great idea. How do you like that? <laughs> I do like that. That's exactly right. Because it's Assum- not... A- assuming, of course, that you still have phone service, right? <laughs> that's right. But but that's exactly right. Be 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 aware, be conscious, uh, be smart, uh, and document, 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 because ultimately, at the end of the day, there are ways to be protected on these things, but you need to have the, the information that you can take to a court as well. So hopefully it never comes to that, but that's a critical part. So Stephen, it's great uh, talking with you about this. Uh, unfortunately, 
it's a natural disaster that brings this issue up, but hopefully it, it brings to everybody's mind the types of things we talk about each week on this show, which is understand your legal rights, understand how to protect yourself. As always, we suggest that you can hear an archive of today's program on voiceamerica.com business or wagnerandwinnick.com. And as we suggest to you every single week, if you don't know the law, know a lawyer. I never finished college. I had a baby and it was time for me to do more with my life. I wanted to be an attorney and be able to help people, but I didn't know I could go to law school without a four-year degree. I decided to go to Monterey College of Law because it's local and I was working full-time and had a child, so quitting work and going to a full-time law school was not really an option for me. Being able to go to school at night and the cost of tuition allowed me to graduate debt-free. Obviously, my income has increased. My schedule is more flexible now, and it does allow me to spend more time with my daughter. My name is Brandi Luis, and I'm an attorney at law. Did you dream of becoming a lawyer? You should know that you can apply to Monterey College of Law without a bachelor's degree. I'm Wendy Law Revere, Dean of Admissions of Monterey College of Law. We're accepting applications now for our spring start. Dream of becoming a lawyer? Do something about it. Find out how at montereylaw.edu. This is Mitch Winnick, co-host of Wagner & Winnick on the Law. We are pleased to welcome Monterey Peninsula Surgery Centers and their related Minimus Institute as sponsors of our program. Location shouldn't keep you from the quality surgery you need. MPSC's Destination Surgical Institute features world-class surgeons, concierge assistants, and transparent bundled fees. For more information, go to www.montereysurgerycenter.com. Thank Monterey Peninsula Surgery Centers for state-of-the-art outpatient surgery. Our patients get better faster and get back to doing what they love. Out-of-towners and self-insured employers can now benefit from our quality care through our concierge division, Minimus Institute. Call 831-333-4153 or visit minimusinstitute.com to learn about how we're reducing the cost of surgery by 40 to 60% while delivering state-of-the-art care. Shepard Mullen is a full-service Global 100 law firm with more than 750 lawyers. We handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. From our 15 offices in the United States, Europe, and Asia, we offer global solutions and seamless representation to our clients around the world. You might ask, what is the Shepard Mullen difference? The answer is you. Our clients are our focus. Every Shepard Mullen attorney and staff member is issued a plaque listing our client service expectations. We regularly give Clients First awards to attorneys and staff members who go the extra mile for our clients. Client service is not just words, it is part of our culture and permeates everything we do. I am Michael Cohen, a partner in the Antitrust and International Competition Group at Shepard Mullen. I invite you to find out more about our law firm at shepherdmullen.com. That's S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D-M-U-L-L-I-N dot com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 